0: the keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities, in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness, with your host, Rafika and Brother James.
1: Facebook family and the Keys 107 family, welcome to another edition of the Keys 107. Today we are uh, celebrating Black History Month, and we know that black history should be celebrated 365 days a year. But nonetheless, today we have a special guest with us who will go into a part of the history, not just the black history, but American history, of a man whom we have um, known very little about, but that which we have learned about him, we all have embraced him in our history, and that is Nat Turner. So our special guest is the great, great, great grandson of Nat Turner, and he is a wonderful brother who has spent a good portion of his time studying the history of his family's tree, and focusing in on that, Turner, the man, the visionary, the uh, the great liberator. Bruce is a brother whom we're going to bring in in a, in a very short period of time, and my co-host, Rafika, first and foremost. How are you, Rafika, today?
2: I I am just ready to move with this show today and just, you know, open the doors to endless possibilities in our search for knowledge and understanding, appreciation and honor of our black history.
1: Well, that's wonderful, Rafika. I will say before we bring our guests on, and we actually want to um, go to a a quick uh, commercial break before we uh, start our segment, but I can remember a time not too long ago in the 70s where we as a people were very conscious... Of our uh, of our history And as a young man I remember living in Brooklyn In search of knowledge as you say And I, I was so thirsty for it I would jump on the train And go all the way uptown to Harlem Just to sit inside the bookstores Liberation bookstores and others And spend time in there In the store until it would close Reading about the great uh, figures In history that represented our people Nat Turner was one of them You know, Denmark VC. you know, then the contemporaries, the Malcolm X's and the Huey P. Newtons and folks like that. Um, I just had a a thirst that still even to today that I am so excited to hear more and more information about these figures, these great figures in, 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 in our history. So, Rafika, Rafika. I want to ask you. Um, you have a bio up there. Can you kind of give us a little background on Bruce, and then we'll bring Bruce in. You take. Yeah, stand by, folks. We're having a little technical difficulty upstairs there. Uh, please take your phone off the mic or from a mute.
2: Your mic is live. Check in. I'm here, Brother James. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, we can now. <laughs> okay. All right. So, as you were <laughs> yes, saying. Yes, I would
2: say that definitely before we go into that um, conversation about just who Bruce L. Turner is, we need to go to the healthy tip of the day. Medea Allen, our organic soul chef, is here and she's on standby.
1: All right. Let's go. The Keys 107 dot com presents the healthy tip of the day.
2: The healthy tip of the day is to schedule rest periods in your day just as you would for other appointments. Leaving time in your schedule for rest instead of activity is like hitting a reset button for your mind and body. A great way to do this is to take 15 minutes out of your day just to sit and do nothing. Taking time to pause can improve your mood and help you feel more refreshed and focused. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Medea Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. So as you can see, the health, the organic soul chef has dropped in and gave us a health, healthy tip of the day.
1: The healthy tip of the day. Well, Rafika, uh, again, uh, somehow your your mic has uh, went out again, but I'm gonna bring it back for you. No,
2: it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's just technology. Sometimes we just gotta run with it. So we're going to give a little Bruce, a little background on Bruce L. Turner. Bruce resides in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He's married to uh, Josephine Ruth Turner. They have children. Uh, He did his undergraduate studies at the Old Dominion University in North Fork, Virginia, and he majored in business administration and business management. His graduate study was at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., and he majored in telecommunications and business information systems and management. His other postgraduate studies has been computer systems programming, project management, and information system management. And he, up to date, has dedicated his life in the research of his great, great, great grandfather, Nat Turner.
1: Wow. So we see we have a man who is um, actually living out the legacy and doing well with the Turner's name. So without any further delay, I would like to bring forward um, to the listening audience our brother, uh, Bruce Turner. Bruce, your mic is live. Can you hear us? Okay. Can you hear me okay, James? Yes, we can. Coming in loud and clear. Coming in loud and clear. All right. Thank
3: you for having me on today.
1: No, it is our pleasure and our honor to have you on today, and we are definitely want to go down historical lane here and really get into who is Nat Turner and um, how did Nat Turner come about. Just we want to know about his childhood, we want to know about his mindset, and as much information that you can kind of give to the listening audience, and uh, we'll just go with the flow with this conversation. So. I'm going to let you begin where you feel comfortable, and then we'll chime in with some questions.
3: Okay, I'll do that. And um, first of all, I'd like to say to the audience out there, good evening, and I want to thank you all for giving me this opportunity to speak in this forum. Uh, It's the first time I've actually spoken in this type of environment before, but uh, I'll do my best to pass along information as I have it for Nat Turner. And I want to start off with by saying that Nat Turner was a man in our history of this country whose efforts to correct a terrible wrong resulted in an event which astounds us even today. During his period in history, he lived under that peculiar American institution known as slavery, which was a cruel injustice which existed for more than 250 years. In a land that was oddly enough predicated on the principles of freedom and equality. The human slavery that was practiced in America, particularly during that Turner's time, defiled every corner of the country's existence. For those people who practiced slavery and sought it as a its means, as a way of living, it defied their humanity because it reduced their life. It made their have to enact stupid laws and they. Ex- Embraced the contrived religious dogma to try to justify slavery as a real, true way of life. For those people who were opposed to slavery, particular abolitionists, it vexed and compelled their existence as they tried to find ways to end it through debates and compromises. However, the greatest impact and the greatest force of devastation was upon the persons of African-descended people who were forced to bear the physical horror and the collective shame of slavery. When you look back in American history, you can find a lot of information on the first two types, the abolitionists and the slave owners. For the most part, you didn't have much information at all about those multitudes of people who were pressed into slavery. Nat Turner, in his single act of leading an insurrection in August of 1831, worked largely to change all of that. As a slave with a vision that was inspired to him for his acceptance of the Christian religion to seek out something better, his voice was loud and clear. He preached loudly to anyone who would listen that slavery was wrong and it should be ended, that it was not only a moral depravity into mankind, but it was also a legal aberration. As a liberator with intent to destroy slavery, Nat's insurrection, as I said, in 1831, proved to the American public that slavery was not to be sustained, that the slaves were not happy with their condition. And in essence, it helped lead the foundation that led to the ultimate demise of slavery 35 years later. And as a legacy to the people who came after him, Nat Turner inspired, through his desires for freedom and equality for all men, to be a reason for why slavery should not happen here again. In a macabre twist of faith, Matt Turner was born into a system whereby a man was not a human.
4: Hmm.
3: He was a thing.
4: Hmm.
3: He was chattel. He was property. He was no more than a mule or a horse that could be whipped and killed at the will and whim of his legal owner. If you look back through history, Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, characterized a slave as being a living tool. From the day of his death, of his birth rather, until the day he died, or took his own freedom, Nat Turner, as were all other slaves in America, was a living tool to his owners. And throughout his life, from a child to a teenager to an adult years, he was constantly exposed to conditions which reinforced his status as a slave, a slave that had no rights that had no dignity to be expected as a human, and most significant to Nat, he was denied the opportunity to be viewed as an equal to the very God to whom he worshipped. Only after many years of study that Nat finally decided to change his slave status, and though he realized physical death for his efforts to end slavery, the slavery yoke across America was eventually lifted. To give the audience a little history on that, Nett was born on October the 2nd, 1800, near the township of Capron, Virginia, as the property of Benjamin Turner, who was a prosperous third-generation slave owner and plantation owner. As a newly arrived infant, Nett was actually given his full name of Nathaniel. This can be verified by the plantation records of the Turners from that time period. Nett's mother was an African slave who was named Nancy, Who is believed to have come from the northeastern part of the African continent? There is a record that exists today that shows Benjamin Turner purchasing her at a slave auction in the winter months of 1800. And the description on that bill of sale of Nancy was that she was a young female with olive brown skin coloring and not of the usual Negro region. This was the usual Negro region in that time was usually that the slaves came from the west coast af- parts of Africa, not the eastern side. Net's father was believed to have been a slave who lived on the Turner Plantation, but he managed to escape before Net grew out of his childhood. His name and actual physical attributes have never been given. However, in Net's confession that he gained just before he was killed, he referred to his father twice, so we can say that he didn't know of someone as a father figure. And Net did have at least one grandmother alive, her name was most likely Bridget, during his upbringing. And it was this grandmother who gave Nat his first lessons on religion and Christianity. It was also this grandmother who said and quoted a phrase that would rule Ned his whole life. She said he was he had too much sense to be raised, and if he was, he would never be of any use to anyone as a slave. Nat lived totally of his whole life for 31 years as a slave. In his early years, particularly from 1800 to 1810, he was the property of Benjamin Turner. When Benjamin Turner died in 1810, he willed Nat as well as 17 other slaves over to his son, Samuel Turner. And Nat spent the next years of his life up until age 22 as a slave to Samuel Turner. Samuel Turner died in 1822, in the, actually in May, and that year, in June of 1822, Net's, uh, Samuel Turner's widow, Elizabeth Turner, decided to sell some of the slaves that, she had, that her husband had left her on the farm. Nat and Sherry, who at this time had become Nett's wife, she was also born on the Turner Plantation, and we believe that the two of them married probably around about 1819. They were both identified as being a husband and wife in the sale bill of sales though that of an auction in eighteen twenty two on July. Nett was sold for four hundred and fifty dollars to a man named Tom Moore. And Sherry was sold for one hundred and seventy five dollars to a man named Gills Reese. Well
1: let's let's stop right there. Let's, let's uh-huh. stop right there because there's a lot of information that I know the listening audience is trying to gather. And these early okay. stages of Nat's life, first of all, the first fact I think that we want to get on the table here is that he was born in 1800. And it also was That's in correct. 1800 in which Nancy was bought by um, the, the Turner family, and Benjamin Turner. Am I correct?
3: That's correct. All right, she was so. She was purchased in February 1800 at a slave auction when? in Southwest Virginia. At a slave auction and, in Suffolk, Virginia, which was about mm-hmm. 35 miles from the from the Turner plantation.
1: Okay, and he was born. Meaning uh, Nat was born in 1800, but we I think in the month of October. Or is it? Is it? Uh, do we have any specific documentation on when Nat was born?
3: Yes, there's two things that corroborate that. <laughs> Nat himself, in his in his in his confession that he wrote that he gave out to Thomas Gray before he was executed, said he was born on October the 2nd to Benjamin Turner.
5: Okay. okay.
3: And in Benjamin Turner's plantation records, the plantation records that exist today, have in there a entry of Nancy having a baby boy on October the 1st that they named right. Nathaniel.
1: Right. Now, so you said also... Those are, two, um, those, are two, those
3: are the two things that
1: corroborate Nett's birth. Mm-hmm. Right, But now, the father. So we're pretty clear that Nancy, the slave, was um, the mom but the dad because he the spoke about is, was never, but The dad's name was never mentioned. Never mentioned. Okay. Right. And so perhaps he was a, a slave on the plantation. Could he have been uh, Benjamin Turner's um, son? Or could there have been a Uh, A bucket, maybe, you know, uh, how they would do, uh, bring in somebody to mate, you know, that stud to come in and and mate with Nancy to produce um, Nate, I mean, Nat Turner. Is there anything that kind of, you know, we can uh, lean or glean out of the history that kind of points to who might be his dad?
3: Potentially. Um, Benjamin Turner, like I said, was very prosperous. He also kept very good records. Mm. And and the books that I have examined, they're very, the, the documents of, you know, they're in poor condition. But I have never found in there in any instances the way he had used an outside sl- service or, say, a uh, male service. He only okay. usually, what he did was he always made it up his slaves with each other. Mm. And out of the number of, of males that was listed on his plantation records, there were probably two or three that were young men who could have, either one could have been Nat's father. Or Nancy could have been pregnant when she first came on the plantation. Mm, that's
2: what I was thinking.
3: If, if you do the math, she was purchased in February and bought to the farm, and then she had a baby on October,
4: mm-hmm. October the 2nd. It's right at sure. the limit.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that have. but based on the description of Nat, as well as the picture that I sent you that shows you that Nat does not show that he has features that are none, but only African-looking features. Right. He had, they say that in the, as well as when during the insurrection, after the insurrection, there was a warranted poster that said he was lighter complected, but he was not a mulatto. And the term mulatto usually was applied to slaves who had white fathers.
5: Right. Right mix.
3: So, mm-hmm. um, they, the the conclusion is is that Nat's father was one of the slaves that was on Eternal Plantation. Now he could have been mixed, which would account for, for Nat's lighter complexion. But looking at the pictures that was drawn from that time period, like I say they were they were they were drawings. They were sketches because photography did not exist. But at Net's features are purely those of a person with African American or, say, African descent, not white. Mm-hmm. So, based on that, we have years ago put the put put bed that Benjamin Turner was not Net Turner's father; he was the mm-hmm. master, he was the slave owner.
1: Right, right. Now, so we so we're just trying to paint the picture that would surround how did he come into existence and then from that year 1800 to for the the next 22 years just who was that just what what accounts do they have about his personality his likes dislikes um experiences that he had in those early formative years
3: okay i can give you guys a quick little rundown on those um, mm-hmm. i can give you Probably the best thing to do it is just to give you some information that I have here. When Nat Turner lived okay. in Southampton County, Virginia, the population of the county was roughly about 16,000 people. And it was divided into 6,700 people of uh, white people and about 9,500 people who was considered as colored or slaves. There were a few mm-hmm. free blacks who lived in the state, in the county. Also, there was a few Indians. And the slave state that at that time the environment was one where the white citizens completely dominated the blacks, whether they were slave or nuns or non slave. And the system was engineered so as to stifle and suppress the slaves' individual thoughts and to denigrate their self worth. The system the slave system gave no you know, no in impact or no recognition to family slave cohesion. They didn't care about whether or not slaves knew about who they came from, or who their ancestors were. And the system was definitely set up to where that slaves could not learn very much about education. Yet, in spite of all this, Nett was proven to be a person who learned to read and write. He says he stated that he himself didn't know how he learned, except the skill came naturally to him. Mm-hmm. He was known in the area to have had a knowledge about physical as well as languages that exceeded some cases, the levels of the white people. Benjamin Turner ran a school on the plantation for his own children and for the white children in the area, so it's believed that Nett probably got some of his education by being allowed to either attend the school or listen in on the lessons. There's no actual hard evidence that this was done, but the fact that a school was on the plantation gives strong evidence that Nett probably got some lessons either from the white children. Or was allowed to to read right along with the children at that at that school, mhm when Benjamin mm-hmm. Turner died in nineteen in eighteen ten, like I said, he willed Nat and his his and, and a lot of the other slaves at the time when Benjamin Turner died, he had nearly forty slaves mm. and he willed seventeen of them over to his son Samuel, of which Nat and Sherry and Nancy was on that list that's in a will book. That's in the Southampton County Courthouse. I'm not just spouting off. These are actual records that exist in the county courthouse from that time period. Anyone can go in and look at those. I sent you a document that gave you the name of the will book and the pages in which that is on.
4: Hmm.
3: And um, it stated in eight, that was all in 1810 when Benjamin Turner died. Now, some of the other slaves went to two of his other sons as he split up his property to... The, the Turner plantation to give property to one son to actually three different sons. It was uh, Samuel Turner, John Clark Turner, and Benjamin Benjamin Turner or Ben Turner. Nat lived for tw- up until 1822 on Samuel Turner's farm, mm-hmm. and the old house that was that Samuel Turner and Elizabeth Turner, his wife was named Elizabeth, lived in, is still the, the location of it is still there and today in South County. The foundation of the house is there. The, the main house is gone, but the the slave quarters where the slaves lived at you can see the outline imprint upon the ground. If you go and go and do archaeological studies and dig, you can find you know evidence that the slave quarters was where it was located near the house. Now, Nat grew up there, and it was during this time when he was growing up from say age 10 to age 22, on Samuel Turner's farm, to where he began to get his. Re- the feelings that he had special abilities that was beyond other slaves. Mm-hmm. He, felt that, he felt that he was tapped by God to be a special child. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew that he had visions. It was well documented that Net said that he had visions, and he could see things to happen that other people couldn't see. Mm. And oh. around about the age of 15 or 16, Net decided to become a preacher. He had studied the Bible very heavily at that time. The Turners, Benjamin Turner, and, and uh, as well as uh, Samuel Turner, were Methodists. And mm-hmm. the Methodists followed the teachings of the, the New Testament. So Nett during those periods, had access to New Testament teachings. The churches in that area, which Benjamin Turner also developed, set up a church that was called Turner's Church, that was on part of his property, allowed the slaves to receive preachings and lessons of the Bible at the church. Nat was, as early as, i say, as early as 1816 through 18, all up through 1822, did a lot of speeches at that church. Now, he was not allowed to speak inside the church. He could speak to the slaves out in the backyard. And the church okay. is still there today. The church is now, the name was changed. It's called Clocksbury Church. But that particular church is still there in Southampton County. You can go right up to it. It's still being used by the white people. They are still being used by the Methodists. And that was the church that was called Turner's Church, and Nat preached there. Uh, He was also allowed to travel to other areas to go to other plantations to preach also. So Mm -hmm. by the time the age 22, Nat was a well-known preacher of the gospel in the area. And (laughs) some of the documentations that existed says that he spoke in a very, very loud, commanding, and fiery voice, and he would hold the crowd at sway and keep them moving and jumping.
2: Um, Bruce, may I? I just want to interrupt for for a moment here. Um, sure, go ahead. I was I was doing a little research on on uh, Nat Turner, and there was a date of um, I think it was uh, 1821 when he ran away from Samuel Turner's. A a plantation. Is that date
3: accurate? No. He didn't run away from Samuel Turner. He ran away from Tom Moore in 1827. Mm. I haven't gotten that far yet. I was going to get to that.
2: Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go back on your track.
3: (laughs) Right. So, like I say, the first 22 years of Nat's life was with the, the two Turners, Benjamin Turner and Samuel Turner. And it was also at Samuel Turner's farm, to where Nat became a preacher. But Mm -hmm. he started thinking about, during that time period, that was when he started getting the contradictions that religion guaranteed guaranteed freedom from slavery. But yet he was a slave. His grandmother said he had too much sense to be a slave, yet he was a slave. Mm
4: -hmm. And
3: he was growing up into his adulthood, he got married this, around about eighteen. We think it's eighteen nineteen. Could have been eighteen eighteen. To where he and Cherry, her name was Cherry. It's like, these, like the Cherry, C H E R R Y. Mm-hmm. She appears on the on the will in eighteen ten with Benjamin Turner, and she appears up on Samuel Turner's will as well as the bill of sale of the slaves that were sold in eighteen twenty two. Mm-hmm. So this is how we have the documentation on knowing what happened. Okay, like I say, mm-hmm. in 1822. Now, Nat was at his, he's now a full adult. He's a full, basically, slave field worker. But but um, Samuel Turner had allowed him to learn how to be a carpenter. And he also was uh, known to work with metal and potentially even leather. He had a lot of craftsman skills that was outside of the usual slave who worked in the fields. Because at the bill of sale that they have on net, that was in that July uh, July 1822, he's listed as a slave of many abilities. And so he went for a high price. He went for the top price of $450. Now, just by luck, the Moore farm and the Reese farm, remember Tom Moore purchased net, and Gills Reese purchased Sherry, the two farms were less than a mile from each other. But they were about four miles from the Turner Plantation. So Nett went to live on the Moore farm. Sherry had to live on the Reese farm. But Tom Moore allowed Nett to continue to move back and forth, to go back and forth to see his wife and children.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Do we know how yeah. many children he had? Yes, he had
3: at least three. Three of the children that we do know their names was one was a boy named Reddick.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: R-E-D-I-C. And there's some there's some discussion within the family that he may not have actually been Nat and Sherry's son. He could have been a child that was placed with them because they said that he had reddish-colored hair. Mm-hmm. Very little was known of him. He did. We know that he died in 1888. He, had, he was in a mental hospital when he died. Another uh, was a daughter named Sally. We don't know when mm-hmm. she was born, but we do know that she was with nett and Sally, Ned and Sherry, when they were sold in 1822.
1: Okay, so she's most likely the oldest?
3: Well, she would have been the oldest, but there's no record of her ever having grown up.
5: Mm. Right,
3: right. But she could have been sold. To, when Sherry was sold over to Gills Reese, the children at that time was should have been Reddick and Sally. And they went to Gills Reese. Gills Reese didn't keep records the way that Benjamin Turner kept records. Mm-hmm. And Sherry became a slave to Gills Reese. Now... right. Annette and Sherry did have a daughter that was born in 1830, on May the 30th, 1830, and her name was Charlotte. Hmm. So there could have been some other children, but we don't have any records of them. They could have been born, you know, infant death rates was pretty high back then. So okay. Sherry could have had some children that died, or she could have had children that were sold away from the farm. We don't know. So we
5: don't know that,
3: so we do we know can that she see. was. We do know that in 1831 Sherry was still living on the Reese farm. Okay. As was okay. two of the children.
5: Mhm.
1: So well, that's how so we now know that we there's a, a probability of three children, but one of so them We know we know, we, saying, he, we know
3: he had three children, we, Right. It could have been it could have been more but we don't know for sure.
1: Right. And then the 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 reddish uh, complexion one more likely was not, or could have not been, both of their children. Maybe not ch- Nat's child. Uh, you know, how they say it's mom, a mama's baby, papa's maybe. Um, right. But then that leads to uh, um, either Charlotte or the. Uh, uh, you said it was another son, other daughter,
3: right? Right. The other, other daughter, Sally.
1: The one Sally. That we know,
3: the only one of his children we know that had that grew to adulthood and had children was Charlotte.
1: So if we're tracing back lineage it would have to go through Charlotte because the others are so unknown that we would not be able to verify. Am I correct in saying that?
3: That's co- that's correct.
1: Okay. Because I know there are those in the listening audiences, so many. I've had in the last um, few days I've had three people say to me it's a possibility that they are part of the Turner family and that they're, they're connected to Nat Turner. You know, three well, people, you know, and I could see where the frustration could come in if they are not necessarily in line with Charlotte.
3: That's correct. So here's the confusion a lot of times that people go. At the time, during that time, the slaves always had the last name of their masters. hmm And as I said, when Benjamin, Benjamin Turner had over 40 slaves when he died in 1810, Right. And he split the slaves up among his three sons. And, like I say, Ned and Sherry went to Samuel Turner, and they were still carrying the, the, the Turner name in 1822 when he died. Well, those are, some mm-hmm. of those other slaves were also over on John Clark Turner's farm and Ben Turner's farm. Right. They all had the last name Turner as well. Yes. So anyone who could have came down from either one of those three and then there was other Turner there was other white families there last name Turner who were not related to Benjamin Turner. And they had slaves. Right. So there was four different families that I know of that I've been able to find on the US Census that lived just in that little area of Southampton County that had slaves. And all of their slaves would have been carrying the last name Turner at that time period. That was the mm. standard of the land. Now right. like I say when when Nat was sold to Tom Moore, for some reason, Tom Moore allowed him to keep his last name, Turner. Mm. However, I did find two documents in history that are in, that are in, in court records to where Nat is referred to as Tom Moore. is
4: mm.
3: As, as mm. Tom Moore's slave, or Nat Moore. He did have a, you know, he was referred to as Tom Moore's slave. Mm. Sherry, who had gone over the Gills Reese, picked up the last name Reese. And she right. identified as a Reese. And the children, Charlotte, was identified originally as a Reese. Mm. Okay. So, anyway, now let's, let's keep the timeline going. As Ned has now been sold over the Tom Moore, for t- and Sherry has been sold over the Gills Reese, Ned still was allowed to, you know, he still was studying, he was still preaching. Tom Moore allowed him to continue preaching. He allowed him to be to work as a carpenter in the area. He traveled quite a bit around through the county, working on at times, during the times when the crops were, during the wintertime when the crops were not in. He used to do what they used to call beaver dam, kill clear clearing. Back mm-hmm. in those days, the the, uh, the beaver was a a menace. Most of the the areas where they used to would have uh, streams set up with mills to where they would grind the corn or, or wheat or would also use it as lumber cutting to where they would dam up the creeks and then they would use them to as a dam and would, build, would use it as water power. What today we call it hydroelectric power. Well, right. that was the only source of power that they had during that time. And beavers used to jam up the works and the dams. And that was loaned out by Tom Moore to different places to go and clear out the beaver work mm. or clear it up. So he had that designation. I guess Tom Moore received, you know, some. he would loan that out, and he would receive payment for his skills.
1: Yeah, compensation.
3: Right. So Nat was doing that type of work, and they'd from 1822 to 1828. And something significant happened in 1828. Tom Moore died. Okay. But it was during that time from 1822 that Net said that in 1823, that was when he first started getting orders from a Holy Spirit that told him that there was a great promise coming to where that he should take on the yoke that, people, that Christ had bore, and he should use it to relieve the sins of man and to end slavery. So, Nett started thinking about the insurrection as early as
4: 1823.
3: Mm. Mm. Okay. So, but it wasn't like, say, the insurrection was not a one time or instance of of, of things that say Nett just jumped up against mistreatment. He started thinking about it as early as 1823. Mm. Now, in order to solidify his faith as a Christian, Nett decided that he needed to be baptized. Slaves were not allowed to be baptized, or they were not baptized in the church. So Net and, a, and convinced a white man named Edward Brentley in 1825 to baptize each other at a place in one of the ponds called Pearson Pond, which was an area that Ned had worked at to, free, to clear up the dams. Mm-hmm. And they say on that day in May of 1825, he and Edward Brentley baptized each other, in front of a crowd of other slaves as well as white owners. And Net declared himself to be a free man because he had been baptized.
4: Mm. Of,
3: course, of course, he was still a slave. And Edward Brentley, the white man who, who uh, baptized Net was kind of ostracized by the white community because he had had the audacity to baptize a slave in the name of God. But Net was baptized, in eighteen twenty five it was right after that that in eighteen twenty seven that Net decided to run away, and he ran away from Tom Moore in eighteen twenty seven He stayed out stayed gone supposedly for thirty two days and then he came back to Tom Moore and he told Tom Moore that he came back because while he was out, that the Holy Spirit came and told him that he who knoweth his master's will and does it not shall be marked with many stripes. Mm. That's a quote that's, a quote. that's, a quote that's, that's
1: in the Bible. Right.
3: Ezekiel. And so that was next reason for why he came back to Tom Moore after being away for 32 days. And like okay. say Tom Moore uh continued allowed Nett to continue preaching, to go and preach around in the area as well as to travel to do other outside work. But in eighteen twenty eight, in uh April, Tom Moore died suddenly. And Nett was un- was fortunate enough not to be sold. His his Tom Moore's widow, Sally was named Sally Moore. Her, actually, her name was, Her mate her mate's name was Francis. Sally Francis. She decided to keep the farm for her son, Putman Moore, who was about seven or eight years old. And he became the true owner. He became the legal owner of Nat Turner at that time, mm. because children could inherit the property from their from their fathers. And in that. Putman's. So we're saying
1: uh Nat is twenty three years old and he's already had three slave masters. No,
3: at age twenty eight he's had three slave 28.
5: masters. Three, okay. Well okay. when
3: he became yeah, at twenty two, at twenty two when he was so when he was bought by Tom Moore, Tom Moore was his third master. Mm hmm. Our third master and owner. And then in eighteen twenty eight when Tom Moore died, Putman Moore became Nat's owner. And Master, but he mm. was a boy, mm. and at that time, Tom Moore had fifteen slaves on his farm when he died. Mm. okay, now, in eighteen twenty nine Sally Francis Moore married a guy named Joseph Travis who moved on to the farm. He got lucky he married a widow. With slaves and property,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he was a carriage maker. Carriage maker, right? Well, you know, back then you didn't have cars; they had carriages. I. Right. <laughs> <Sure>, go ahead. <laughs> Which was a very a carriage maker was a very prestigious position.
2: Um, Bruce, can you hold that that thought right there for a moment? I have a question that just came in sure. on the Facebook. And the question is, what is the difference between an owner, a slave owner, and a slave master?
3: Very good question. The best way I can tell you this, what is the difference between a person who owns a car and a person who drives a car? Mm. Mm. The owner says that you have a piece of property that you have full 100% title to. A master is a person who has dominion over a slave. But they don't own him.
4: Okay. So,
3: this, this is what happened. I was about to explain that with Tom, when Joseph Travis married Sally Francis, he moved on the farm and he became the master because he was the oldest male, the white male on the farm. But Putnam right. Moore was still the owner. Mm. Putnam Moore was the owner of Nat at that time.
1: Mm. Okay. And he was like you said, was underage. Right. Right, okay.
3: But he was still he was still had ownership because children could inherit the properties from their fathers. Mm hmm. So you know when Samuel Turner inherited Net in eighteen ten, he was already a full grown man. Mhm. So when his father died he just inherited slaves. Tom Moore purchased Nat in eighteen twenty two. So he became the owner and the master. But when Tom Moore died, Putman Moore inherited Net as the owner, but he was not the, best. He was not the master, per se. Mm-hmm. When, once, once Joseph Travis moved on the farm, he became the master, but not the owner. So that's the mm-hmm. differences between the two. A lot of times right. people threw it around. Most of the time the master was the owner.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But a master could you could have a master who was not an owner. A good example right. of that is George Washington. George Washington didn't have very much money, but he had a lot of land, and he married a lady named Martha Curtis, who was loaded, <laughs> and she had over a hundred slaves. So George Washington was the master of those slaves, but he was not the owner. She was the owner. George. Georgia's wife was the one who had all the money. Mm. Mm. You know, the Georgia Porgy, the guy who is the father of the country and all that.
1: Right, got you. I understand what you're saying. But I want to, even before we go any further, because I know um, folks are listening in, and they're trying to get those key elements of the history in terms of, you know, we always try to have five to seven keys in terms of um things that we can uh, uh, depart to our listening audience. One, I think we established that he was born to a a woman named Nancy of African descent in the year 1800 in October. Two, that um, we found that he was a very bright and studious young man, always intuitively learning things on his own, possibly seeking um, assistance in the school or the church, because uh, the 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 plantation had both elements on 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 the property, and right. then three, that he had at least three right. masters, um, and owners by the time he became was it 22 and the 28th 20, when he became right, 28, 28, 28, 28, 28, 28 years old. So we can all see that. He's starting to shape his life uh, and understand who he was based upon his experiences. Um, That's correct.
3: I want to. And don't forget, I wanna, the, number, the, the don't forget, you leave it out. One, one definite point. He was a preacher. Yes. And he had been yes. preaching ever since the age of 16.
1: 16. Okay. Okay. And you said it was in, at the age 23 that he began to receive revelation, so to speak that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit.
3: Right. That he was the okay, doing
1: okay. the great work of God. God. We're going to okay. answer, jot these things down because these are the things that we want to be able to depart unto our children when they ask who was Nat Turner. That's you
2: correct. Know? All right. Let's, okay. let's hold it there for a moment. Uh, we have to br- uh, break for a very brief commercial uh, here sure, on Keys 107 network Um, once we come back we could pick it up and just want to give our listening audience the call in number Uh, those of you who are listening in via the internet and you want to call in and ask uh, uh, Bruce L. Turner a question you can call it at 213-943-3618 213-943-3618 and we'll be right back
4: Okay.
2: the keys 107 we'll be right back
1: Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafika.cs. Dot com or
5: on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. The
4: Fluff, are a family of clouds up in the sky, keeping the earth green
0: so you will be alright. They'll teach you your ABCs and your reds you'll Fluff sky, you be free. R- the, the, you the Fluff presents the alphabet the Fluff is available Fluff on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information go to www.theflufffamily.com Now, now, now. Back to the
1: keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Evans. All right. So, we're going to pick right back up um okay. and Bruce, I wanted to say that we got we're here at a particular period of time where he is a young man, and I don't want to go into the absolute where he goes into becoming um, a, a organizer and a planner of this insurrection yet, but I want to like focus back on the family. We were saying that him and Sherry was sort of separated. She was on another plantation. She was living with the Reese family on another plantation. And he was on uh, on on the Moore's plantation. Am I correct? That's, but they were that's it correct. was a short distance apart. So he was given the liberty to travel from his plantation because of his status of a skilled journeyman, so to, so to speak, to go over and spend time with his family, his wife and children. Now we had already spoke about uh, Reddick, his son that was a little reddish, and Sally um some say that maybe he named that baby Sally because of the good treatment that he was receiving from the uh, the new master uh Moore Sally Moore uh, I mean, uh owner i guess she's the owner right but well she's Tom Moore's wife Tom Moore's wife right Tom Moore's wife so she would be we, the, mistress. the mistress Mistress
3: <laughs> you, you had the term master and mistress
1: mistress okay got you. so she's the mistress not the master okay got that um, you know, this is like a new language for us because we don't forgot all about these days and times because we've dismissed it out of our own history, you know, uh, right. and we need to back on it. But now we want to know just a little bit more because it seems as if Charlotte comes into the picture, meaning a, a daughter from, um, from Sherry.
3: That's correct. Am I correct? Well, she doesn't come into picture until
1: 1830. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, oh, she's uh, at um, comes into a picture once he's deeply into his planning and plotting stage. Gotcha. That's correct.
5: Okay, okay, all right.
1: So, continue on. So, so, so let's let, let you, We had left off where he was visiting back and forth to see uh, Charlie, I mean, see Sherry, sure. and um, I think that's where we had kind of left off at.
3: Right. Well, at the timeline of which I'm dealing on with now is around. A, Tom Moore has died in 1828, but okay. just a little before Tom Moore had died in the, in the early parts of 18. Remember, we talked about in 1825 that when Nat was baptized as a Christian, mm-hmm. and in 1823 was when he began to receive orders or signals from God that he was to do something, and. He was given a lot of visions, and some of the visions that Nett spoke of during his confession was is that during that time period, the, the, the Holy Spirit showed him visions of white people and black people locked in close combat, or mm. sometimes he saw people of different races living and mixing without chains. He said he saw strange shapes of clouds and colors in the sky, which was told that important changes would come because of that. He also noticed that there were certain things that was happening with the stars, with the stars and the moons that also was predicting of changes to come about. In one time, Net said he noticed blood suddenly appear on the ears of corn with the morning dew,
2: and mm. then in the forest,
3: he sometimes found blood written on blood with, uh, on the leaves in the trees. And they were on that was written a hieroglyphic language that he couldn't read, but the Holy Spirit would read it and tell him what it was, that those were orders that was directly from God. And that said he sometimes mm. heard loud noises of people screaming as if they were in fear or screaming for their lives. And that kept almost all of these things to himself because he didn't want anyone to know that he was planning anything at that time. And he only occasionally would share some of that with his wife, Sherry, and he would occasionally write down some of his plans in a Bible, which exists still today, or on bits and scraps of pieces of paper that he used to stash out over at the hut that Sherry was living in on the Reese Farm. We know this because after he was captured, those pieces of papers were turned over to the authorities that Sherry was forced to give up after she was whipped by the Lash. According mm-hmm. to the sheriff's documents, he says she was interrogated at the Lash to give over his writings and his papers. Mm. And by 1828, Ned had begun to learn how the, the stars worked. He indicated that he knew how to calculate the motions of the planets as well as he could calculate the motions of the tides, even though there's no evidence that he ever went to the ocean. He also developed a method how to make gunpowder. And he knew how to make paper. He made some of his own paper because he couldn't, because it depend on getting paper from the whites. So he worked out a method how he could make paper out of pulp wood that was out in the woods. Mm. We know that Nat could do these things because just before his, after his trial, when it was brought out was is that a slave had knowledge of that. Some of the local white men who had knowledge of those did a thorough examination of Nat at the jail. And they said that he showed that he he proved that he did have the chemical understanding of how gunpowder was made, and he showed them how he made the paper. And they were, hmm. you know, the whites were trying to discredit his that that Nett was intelligent. They wanted to try to prove that he was just a dumb slave.
1: Well, so we're saying that not only was he a visionary, he was a preacher, but he was also a student of ast- astronomy and would um, and have the ability to invent uh, or to make gunpowder and paper.
3: Right, out of the process of making paper.
1: Mm. Okay, ain't no dummy there.
3: Right. Now, like I said, in, in his confessions, that said that in 1828, he was directed by God to start putting the insurrection into motion. And so he started preaching to the slaves in the area. Prior to that, he had been preaching the New Testament to the slaves, you know, Jesus and the, the, the benevolence of following the New Testament teachings. But after 1828, Nett started preaching from the Old Testament about mm. particular, you know, the right for vengeance, the tooth for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and the right to receive to re, to revenge a wrong, particularly a wrong like slavery. And he preached around in the area to the slaves on that on many occasions, telling them about that there was a great promise to come. But he still was only only to himself was he making his plans all during this time. And like I say, in 1828 when Tom Moore died, that's when he became the ownership of Putman Moore, and I think that was probably one of the things that turned that completely over that the insurrection had to go on, because now he was owned by a boy.
4: Mm.
2: Now, how old was 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 the boy at this time?
3: He was seven or eight years old. No one knows exactly mm. how old he was because there was no birth certificate.
2: And now we was do how know old? that
3: he was a right. He was a boy, and we know that he was a boy when he was killed in eighteen thirty-one. So the the county has him as being seven years old in one record. On when he was when he was when he received his his inheritance from his father, another record have him as being nine years old in eighteen twenty eight.
2: Mm. a child owning growing slaves. Yeah, owning
3: slave. he's owning fifteen slaves and a whole farm.
4: Mm.
3: Of about nine hundred and fifty acres. Mm. Like I say, now, Sally Moore, Tom's widow, was believed to have been, like I say, very good in her treatment to net. That's why we believe that the, the other girl was named Sally. There is On their records, there was a Sally as a child, and that she, she was most likely to, because they have Sally T. And as far as we know, the other slaves were named as they had the last name of, um, of would have been the last name Reese. But we can't be for sure, like I say, we can't be for sure that that girl, Sally, wasn't Nancy Sherry's daughter, but we believe she was. But we've never been able to find any records of her having lived beyond 1830 or into adulthood. Like I say, child mortality was pretty high back then. And people had a lot of children, a lot of them which didn't live or only lived you know, for a couple of years and never did get out of their childhood. And because slaves were being sold all the time, including children, they easily could have been sold to another master. Mm. But we do know of Charlotte. But anyway, so now, we're up in 1828, and it was where Ned had now started putting together his his, his final plan. He was preaching to the slaves that there was going to be a great coming. And in 1829, Sally... Moore married Joseph Travis, who moved on to the farm. And as a as a carriage maker, he taught he started teaching Nett to trade on how to make carriages. This allowed mm-hmm. Nett to travel with Joseph as he would deliver his carriages to different farms in different locations. Okay. And in his confession said Nett said he had no had no problems with, with, with Joseph Travis that he was a good master, that he had you know, that he treated him very well. And it was significant about this because by traveling with Joseph Travers, Nat was able to get to know the roads and the trails around the area. And also to mm-hmm. know the slaves on other farms. Right. Outside of other than just, you know, seeing them at the churches that the whites would bring them to. And it was during this time that Nat started corroborating with a slave named Hawk who was a slave to Tom Moore. And he and Hawk, Hawk was his first recruit, so to speak. And the name is spelled H-A-R-K, Hawk. Mm -hmm. Okay, by 1829, Ned has now firmly settled down that the the insurrection was going to be, he was going to do the insurrection, but he was waiting on God to send him some signals as to when when should he start it. In February 1831, there was a full eclipse of the sun. It's called an annular eclipse. And it was recorded all along the eastern seaboard. There's many references to the, to the magnificent eclipse that happened in February of 1831. And the records of that is that you can go to the Naval Observatory records. You can look at the Congress, congressional records. You can look into the uh, the records at Harvard or William & Mary College. You know, any place that had an astronomy department, that 1831 uh, eclipse of the sun was one of the most spectacular that had ever been recorded on the Eastern Seaboard. And it was a full eclipse. Nat took that eclipse as his signal from God that it was time for him to now start the insurrection or start actually, you know, to fully put it into operation. So he and Bobby, he already had Hawk with him. He brought in two more people, one named Henry and one named Nelson. And together those three, the, the four of them, started making plans on how they were going to go about carrying out the insurrection, how they were going to win, what were their goals, what were they going to do. But Nett kept the overall goal to himself on february on on august the 13th actually the insurrection had been set for the july the 4th that year on on july the 31st but Nat fell ill because he had not received the signal from god and i guess he had been staying out late every night going out to the to the into the woods to meet up with his compadres probably not eating good anyway he became ill and that july and Nat it was sally who nursed him back to health so they did okay. the insurrection as they were originally planning to do it on July the 4th.
1: Now, now when you say Sally, you're talking about the, uh, the mistress uh,
3: Sally boy, his or wife.
1: his wife?
5: His okay. mistress. His
3: mistress, mistress Sally. Yeah. Mistress right. Sally. At this time, she's now Sally Travis.
5: Okay, gotcha.
3: Right. Now, on August the 13th, that morning the sun rose up that was supposedly, and this, again, was another astronomical event that was recorded that the sun was very sickly looking and it had a, a kind of a, like a pale shell over to it a pale glow and that there was two or, three, two or three different recordings that said that there was a dark spot in the southern corner of the sun now Nett said in his confession was is that this was his signal that he got from God that he knew now that he was ready to strike because that night the sun the moon was also kind of reddish looking We know about what they call the Harvest Moves. But anyway, so Ned resolved that now he was ready to put the the insurrection into motion. And he preached his last sermon on August the 13th at Turner's Church to a crowd of slaves in the backyard. And it was there, a lot of white people later on recorded that they saw the slaves all wearing little red tags on their Mm. arms. Now... No one fully collaborated this until after the insurrection, when some of the slaves were at trial and they were interrogated. Why were they wearing the red bands? And some of the slaves said that John Nett had told them that anybody who was with him was to wear the red band—a mm. little red, a little red ribbon on their on their sleeves, or a red piece of cloth. Hmm. And it was at that also at that particular um, sermon. It was a guy who was reported to have walked 20 miles just to hear Nat speak. Mm. He was was that widely known as a preacher. Now, at the same time while Nat was preaching out in the backyard at Turner's church, on the inside of the church, Reverend Richard Whitehead, the, the pastor, was preaching to the white congregation. And the Reverend Whitehead and Ned as well as a lot of those members would meet up again in a few more days later on so once Ned had now got his orders from God and he had, given, had been given the signals particularly with the red moon that was he now knew that he was supposed to be ready to strike he started the, the, on, the, on the night of August the 21st he assembled six people to be his the start of his army and there I can say their names was Henry, Hawk Nelson Jack, Sam, and Will. These were slaves that lived in the immediate area, that was right there near the Moore farm, and they met in a place known as Cabin Pine, which was a dense wooded area, that was around of a, 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 like a sunken down pine. It, that place still exists today. You can go there and stand right in the same location, to where that on those banks of that to where they set up at. They supposed to cook themselves a meal, had some brandy. And then they made a final plan of where they were going to start. And the final plan was is that in order for Ned to prove that he was the true leader, that they should start at his house or his at his master's house. And so on the night of August the 21st, somewhere around about the time or 11 o'clock or a little before midnight, they left out of Cabin Point and walked about, which was just a little less than a quarter of a mile, through the dense woods and across the field, to the more to the uh, to the Travis house, which was actually Tom Moore's house,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: there they killed first Joseph Travis. Nett was the first one who had to strike the first blow, and he hit Joseph Travis in the head with an axe. But it didn't kill him right away, and Will Francis finished him off. Mm. And then Will killed Sally Francis, and then they killed three other people in the house, which one of them was Putman Moore.
4: Okay. And Joseph
3: and, and Joseph and Sally had had a baby by now, who was named Joe Jr., who was about three months old. They killed him too.
1: Mm, that's right.
3: So they killed all the white people in the family in the, in the house, and some of the net went out and recruited some of the other slaves to join up with him. And from Joseph's house, then they started going about to where well, they went to Salida Francis' house. They went to the uh, Harris's house, you know, from house to house, and they would mm-hmm. kill the white people and free the, have their slaves come join them. Some of the slaves right. joined them. Some of the slaves didn't. Some of the slaves took off and ran away from them because they didn't want to have part of it. And all mm-hmm. through that night, all through that night into the next day, they went from farm to farm, killing the whites and freeing their slaves. Hmm. But there, was, there should be one thing that's noted. Nett did not attack and kill any Quaker families.
4: Hmm. Is that because right? the
3: Quakers Quakers didn't own slaves. They were against slavery.
4: Hmm. Right.
3: And it was believed that there's a possibility that Nett could have gotten some of his his learnings or some of his books from the Quakers. Hmm. What about the weapons? The who? Okay, weapons. weapons they got the... The only weapons they had when they started was just a couple of knives and an ax. Mhm. Just regular old household implements. And at Joseph Travis's they did get a couple of firearms and some powder. And then every okay. time when they would go from one house to the next, after they would kill the families, they would take they would get whatever guns and, and uh gunpowder and shot that they could go and carry on with them. Also they started getting horses. When they first started they were on foot. And it was after the third place at the third house that they stopped at was where they started collecting up some horses.
4: Okay. And all through on. the
3: night, they would go from place to place, net split up the forces so they could cover more area, and they carried that on all the way through the night and into the next day. And during that time, they, they attacked 26 houses, and they killed 55 white people, or 58, depending on how you count it, because some of them were children and the, the the official record didn't include the children. Mm. Mm. So how, long, to, how long did
1: this uh, activity of uh, trying to become free take? Uh, how long did it take?
3: It took two days. Mm. Mm-hmm. They went through, they started off on the 21st, and they made, you know, like I said, they made it to, and that estimated that they were at the, the, uh, the Travis house by after midnight. Now Nett proved that he knew how to count time. And he didn't have a watch, but he knew how to count time by I guess by the stars or the positioning of the stars because he showed it to the white people. Remember I told you when they examined him in the jail, he showed mm-hmm. them how he used to keep how he kept time. Mm. Now, as they went from farm to farm, they would get slaves to join with them, and the army got bigger and bigger as they went. And eventually, by the by the middle of the next day, they had grown up to almost eighty people. Some, a lot of them on foot, most of them on foot, but they did have a few horses, and they had some guns as well as powder. And uh, by the time that they had reached the last house, the way they killed people in. They had grown up with a very large army. They had, you know, he only counted his men as soldiers, but there was also women with him. And mm. one of the families that they attacked and killed was Richard Whitehead, Reverend Richard Whitehead, and six members of his family. Mm. And I tell you that he and Nat would meet up again at another time?
4: Yeah. Well, they met yeah. up
3: that <laughs> next morning when they attacked the, the, the Whitehead farm, and they killed Richard and it's his mother, his sisters, and two or two other people, or three other people who were there in the house. Hmm. So, hmm. anyway, we're now by about probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the next day, on the 23rd, on the 22nd, rather, and this is when Nett began to get into some serious opposition. One of the slaves named Nelson, who had first started off with him, had a change of heart after they had attacked a couple of places, And had decided to go tell his master, who they had not gotten to yet, that something was going on. Mm. And that master was able to get away and start raising up the militia of whites, who in turn started to gather up and collect their guns, and they started following the trail. They didn't know where the Mm. slaves were either. They would go from house to house and see that they had killed the white people, and they were following them. And one white guy on a horse had ran to the town of Jerusalem. Which is where Nat was originally trying to go to, because there was an right. armory there with an old cannon, and Nat was intending to get there to get those, to get the weapons,
4: mm-hmm. and then he was going to
3: raise his army, take over the town, and he was going to raise that whole use that whole town to draw slaves from all around in the area, and make a huge make into make it into a huge fortified place. Well. When the word got into Jerusalem that there was an uprising of slaves, a group of armed men ran out from the town to come forward, and Net found himself stuck between one army coming up, one group of, of armed white people coming from the front, and another group coming from the back. So he decided to round up his forces, and they had fought the, the first group coming in from the, from the town. They managed to beat them off, but then when the other group came up, they had more weapons, so Ned and his group made a U-turn, and instead of trying to get into the town of Jerusalem, they took another direction and went into the swamps. And okay. they spent the night in the swamps to regroup himself. But during that night, some of the slaves left, went home, some got drunk. and uh, But anyway, by the next day, Ned still had a pretty good-sized army, so they had went out and they attacked a place called Dr. Blunt's Place. And it was here that where a contingent of slaves that had been armed by Dr. Blunt fought against Nett in order to save Dr. Blunt and his family. Wow. And again, the militia got on their tail and started chasing them around, and so they managed to avoid the militia for the rest of the day. And then during the night, most of, most of his followers left him, but then the next day they tried to attack another place as he was going to try to re- raise up another army of slaves, and this time he was overwhelmed. By the forces of um, of different whites that had now started coming in from all kinds of different locations, and so that mm-hmm. was finally forced to to go hide out in the in the swamps. As well as the other people who were with them, they were either captured or killed. And so, by the third day, the insurrection was put down.
1: Let me ask you: at this point, what is known as to Um, his wife, uh, Sherry, and his children. You know, uh, I'm just thinking. You know, he's been plotting and planning for a couple of years, and then he finally executes his plan. And you you could tell that he was a loving father, in terms of responsible to make sure he seen, you know, kept kept up with their upbringing. He had to be concerned about their safety. Did he have a contingency plan? With yeah, he
3: did. Okay. As oh. I tell you, when they first met at Cabin Pond, the, the Cabin Pond sits in that woods. I tell you about the Moore Farm and the Reese Farm was separated by a set of woods, a forested right. woods. Right. Cabin Pond sits right in the middle of that. They could have went to Gills Reese's house first as opposed to going to Joseph Travis.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Nat chose to go to go, go to Joseph Travis, which took him in the direction away from Gills Reese where Sherry was. Okay. Sherry and the children were. Later on mm-hmm. he gave and his what he was he was interrogated, he said he avoided Gills Reese because Gills Reese had some mean dogs. Mhm. But that could have easily have taken care of the dogs. He didn't go to Gills Reese because Sherry and the children were there. Right. And then as they moved about the the county, as they moved about the area from house to house they came close to Gills Reese's property again. It was really right after they had killed the Whitehead family. And again right. chose to go another direction away from the Gills Reese house. So the Gills Reese house was totally bypassed. And Cherry okay. and the children were not in danger. Okay. Now, now. after the insurrection after the insurrection was over with, Nat went into hiding. And this was when as they captured the slaves and they, the whites started to interrogate them, they killed a lot of them, but they interrogated quite a few of them. And they were the ones who started, at the time, the whites didn't know what was going on or who was leading. And as the whites, the slaves kept talking about a general net, that was when they began to realize that everybody was talking about the same slave and that he was the preacher named known as Nat Turner, that he was the leader. Hmm. For about the first two days, the whites didn't know who the leader was, and by that time, Ned had, had escaped. Well, he was actually he was he was he was actually hiding near he went into hiding near the Travis farm.
5: Right, right. He didn't right. leave the
3: county or the area. Right. That's when they that's when the sheriff went over and grabbed Sherry and brought her to the jail in Jerusalem, and they interrogated <laughs> her under the lash, to where she admitted that Ned had planned, had told her that what he was planning to do. And she gave him all, she gave up all the papers and his Bible that he had left at her place.
1: Oh. Okay.
3: So that's how, say, Sherry was, was being held by the sheriff at that point. Now, right after the insurrection, gangs of whites just went around and started killing black people indiscriminately. And it's estimated they killed as many as 200.
4: Mm.
3: From the black people's side, they said they killed over 300. From the white people's right. side, they said they only killed 150. Well, they didn't just kill the
1: people whom they suspected of being a they part of the Resurrection. They
3: killed women, children, everybody.
1: Everybody. And from this activity of the insurrection, did new legislational laws kick in uh, because of a protocol of how the slaves were being treated? You know, um, you know the fear factor, I think, we, we're missing here is that... White folks were in panic.
3: Yeah, you know. They were. I'll get to so, that I'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. I want to continue with the you know, to give you the details on the insurrection itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the timeline was is that after Nat was defeated in his in his last battle with the whites and scattered, he went into hiding. And he stayed hidden for, for, for two months. Like say the insurrection ended on by it was like actually was all over with by August the twenty fifth. And he stayed hidden until and wasn't captured until October the thirtieth. By a guy named Benjamin Phelps. And during that time the militias was looking for that. he said he had many escapes. He dug holes and hid out in caves which were really no more than just uh they called them caves, but they were really just places that he was able to dig into embankments or near uh you know, places where he could hide out under trees and whatnot. And eventually he was found by three black guys who was out hunting who came across his place to where he was hiding out, and they went and told their master that where he was. And after that, the militia started closing in on him, and they kept. You know, he was constantly running away from them. And then finally on the last day, on, that, on October the 30th, Benjamin Phelps happened to come across where he was hiding and put his gun on him and ordered him to come out. And Nett decided it was best to surrender rather than to be shot and killed. So that's mm-hmm. how he was captured. Now, to me, I thought that was a miracle in itself because the whites had been killing blacks all over. And by the time Nat was captured, they had pretty well ran out of, you know, I guess their killing lust had been pretty well run over. Had he been captured mm-hmm. in those first couple of days, he would have easily been killed.
5: Right. Right.
3: But the governor of Virginia, once the word in in Richmond, the word got up to Richmond about the slave insurrection, the governor sent down an order to the courthouse in in Jerusalem that he wanted trials. He wanted everything to be documented, and he wanted it to be proven that it was all legal because slavery, in order for it to exist, was that it was based on law. So he wanted, he, he demanded that there be trials and that there would be a transcript of the trials. That's how we have today. You can go to the courthouse and you can read the transcripts of all the trials that was that was done during that time period, including Nett's trial. The government okay. wanted to prove to the world, so to speak, that slavery was legal and that they did everything legally. So anyway, after Nat was captured... He was taken to the town of Jerusalem. It took him two days to take him there. They drug him around through the county, and white people obviously threw stuff at him or jeered him, you know, spitting him to string him up. I was surprised. Like I said, where he was captured, the way they took him to, it was it covered almost 10 miles. So any time along the way, he could easily have been taken by uh, a lynch mob and easily hanged, and nobody would have said anything different. But he wasn't. And he was taken to the jail, and it was at the jail to where, Thomas Moore, I mean Thomas Gray, was allowed to come in and talk with Net, and Net decided to said he would confess, and so Thomas Gray wrote down everything that Net t- said. It took him two days to write down everything that Nett said, and that's where we have the really the picture of Net was through his confession.
1: Right, right. To, now you,
3: he was that confession confess. inside
1: the jail, so it was a jailhouse confession. And the picture that we see, or that um, drawing, was one, done by a newspaper? Um,
3: a or, newspaper uh, sketch artist. Yeah, okay, a newspaper, newspaper sketch artist who came from okay. North Virginia to, to, to be the trial, and he wanted to do a sketch of net at the jail, but because he was being held in all kinds of you – know, he was just in ragged clothing at that point. A guy named Nathaniel Francis – Whose house Nat had attacked and killed some of his relatives, and the thing that also had shot at Nat, but missed him and it hit his hat, gave Nat well did, 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 let Nat wear his coat to sit while he posed for, the, for this guy in the jail to draw a sketch of him, okay.
1: and that is the okay.
3: official sketch of Nat Turner.
1: Right, and this is the one we posted out on Facebook to everyone.
3: Right. That is now we're getting that close to
1: that um, that uh, that hour where we um, almost concluded our, our programming. So I wanted to shift gears at this point because now we know that that got caught. He, he had confessed, and there was information that helped us to understand about that. But one of the elements in those confessions never really spoke about his w- wife and child. And so that confuses people because now we know that he did have a wife and children based upon this information you have given us. But I believe the reason why he may have omitted anything about his family, he knew that they would be in danger just to even speak on them, you know, try not to bring names up, uh, keep that a secret. So I know there are those questions. How did Nat's name survive? Um, through his family, and how can people connect themselves in this day and time back to Nat. So I want to kind of shift gears in that way of going through the lineage, here. Um, um, or I want to I want to talk about um, the importance of Charlotte in this whole picture, and then remember we uh, we put out there Fanny uh, Fanny Turner's picture, which right. is. Nat's grandchild, is Nat's Nat, that's grandchild through Charlotte? Yes.
3: Okay, I'll give okay. you a quick rundown. Okay. All right. Nat, Nat, okay, like I say, Nat was executed on November the 11th, 1831. Okay, Sherry Ch- Ch- was living on Gills Reese's Farm along with the children, of which Charlotte was one of, she was only a baby. Like I said, she was born in May the 30th, 1830. She was hidden by Gills-Reese or taken to another farm by Gills-Reese to avoid the whites who was trying to kill everybody. Mm. And they stayed over on another farm or even they stayed with the Indians until like 1835 or so. And Charlotte grew up in, under Gills-Reese's protection. But by 1850, she was now a slave to John Clark Turner. Don't I've never been able to find a record of when she was purchased by John Clark Turner, but she shows up on John Clark Turner's plantation, and Fanny was born in 1856. And I believe the records that we have that most likely was Fanny's father was a slave named Robert. And because they were on the Turner plantation, the children were last named Turner as well. And to, Fanny, to Charlotte had... And we know of four children, Fanny, George, Ganderson, and a daughter that was probably named Gosey or either Lucy. We know this because they're, they're, in 1870, the U.S. Census lists Charlotte with her children, and at this time she's, Charlotte is carrying the last name Stiff. So we believe she probably was sold off of the John Clark Turners farm either to a stiff or she married a stiff. But her children was carrying the last name Turner. Okay. And that's funny. Now Fanny was the one of the children who grew up to have children of her own. She had ten children. Mm and her first five children that she had, actually she had a total of twelve children, but only ten lived to be adults. The first six she had children by a guy by the name of of James Turner Drury. He was a white man. He was a great-grandson of Benjamin Turner. And one of those children, those white children that she had with with James Turner Drury was a a fellow named Herbert Turner, Herbert Lawrence Turner. And Fanny then, James Turner Drury was forced by his family to marry a white woman so he could have white children. Right. And And then Fanny married a black man named John Thomas Turner. But we don't know where he came from. He could have come from one of the other Turner Farms. And she had five children, six children with him, of which five lived to be adults. So she had five children by that lived to be adults by white, and she had five children who lived to be adults by black.
5: <laughs> mm.
3: But they were all last named Turner. Right. The Turner children should have been last named Drury, but they had—they were carrying Fanny's last name because she had been a slave on John Clark Turner's farm at the time when slavery ended in 1865. Now, Herbert Turner was married, had, had three wives, of which his, young, his last wife, his third wife, was a lady named Anzella Mills, and she had three children, but Herbert Turner had a total of six children. And the youngest child by his third wife, Anzella, Anzella Turner, was my father, Herbert Lawrence Turner, Jr. He was born in 1927. Herbert Turner died in 1928. Okay, stop right
1: there. Was, okay. Before you go far, further, okay, so I just want, we want to be able to follow this. From Sherry, produced um Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, uh, yeah, with Nat, of course. Uh, okay, so we had um, Charlotte, then Charlotte produced, this is how we get that great great grand, right? Um, right? Fanny. Okay, right. So we go Sherry, Charlotte, Fanny, right? Three right. generations. And then Fanny and had then ten
3: from, kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm just trying to follow okay. that line with you now, so those right. who are listening. I'll uh, see where we're going. So we went from Sherry. Well, let's start off. Actually, we went from Nancy, who produced uh, Nate and Nat Turner. He married Sherry. Sherry and Nat produced Charlotte. Charlotte produced Fanny, which is grandson of Nat uh, Nat Turner. Granddaughter. Then then granddaughter. Um, And then Fanny had a child. Who, who was that? Your grandfather, right? Right, my grandfather, Herbert Turner Sr. Herbert Turner Sr. And then Herbert Turner my, Sr. At your, what's it? Your father. My father, Herbert correct? Turner Jr. Right. At Herbert Turner Jr. And then you. And then I'm. So, and I'm Bruce
3: Turner.
1: And Bruce Turner, of course. So for those listening, you can see that he has done the necessary homework to follow that line. And um, there's one question that I did get posed by someone uh, via the uh, uh, social media. Was was there any DNA testing whatsoever in this process of linking your family line up to Nat Turner?
3: No. We did the old-fashioned way. We used documents. Okay. By looking at, by going through the court records, particular marriage certificates, death certificates, um, the documentation that was in the U.S. Census reports that were in the eight, 1900s, 1888, 1870, 1860. We really were, you know, using the, the census that document what people were living in certain areas to show their names mm-hmm. and their children. Um, we use plantation records. We use, I use wheels. the wheels, like, say, of Thomas, of uh, Benjamin Turner, Samuel Turner, Tom Moore, the will of Joseph Travis, even though he was dead. And mm-hmm. uh, the court records that were on, that were on the, that were taken during the trials, as well as the court records of people that, from that 1830 to 1865, as to how slaves were passed around from masters to masters, where they were bought and sold. We use bill mm-hmm. of sales that uh, of records because they had to pay taxes on the right. the property that they own. So that's how okay. we use the we didn't use DNA to establish the line. We use the old the documentation methods. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, the okay. I my, mean, with Fanny Turner, all of her ten children, I've been able to find the marriage certificates of all of her children with with Charlotte's children. I was able to find the marriage certificates or birth, you know, like say, death certificates that list people by their names. And on the death certificates and marriage certificates, they usually list the names of their parents. Right. And so we were able to, I was able to, over, it took me almost 20 years of going through all these documentations to fully establish, because that's what I was asked to do by one of my great aunts who was one of Fanny Turner's children. Right, I knew her before she died, and she asked me one day if I could because she knew that I was into a lot of research and that I had uh, working with computers that if I was any way that I could put together the family tree or you know her mm. friend document her family because a lot of things were being passed down by word of mouth
5: mm-hmm. and she wanted right
3: proved that that there wasn't just word of mouth that there was actual documentation right, and so I started right. off originally just trying to. I had I knew about that, Turner, I knew about the stories, but I really wasn't that much into it, and that was when I first started doing the research, and this was long before doing DNA testing. And when you say right. you can do DNA testing, and as I say, there were so many other Turner families there, as well as, like I say, Fanny had ten children, but Charlotte, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, had four children of her own. Right. George Ganderson, I found out his children through marriage certificates, birth certificates, and death certificates, the same thing in the case with Ganderson, they were fan brothers and sisters, and then those children would have been cousins and, you know, on down the line. So there are right. lots and lots of turners that are still living there today. And then those but they people can't turn, trace it
1: back. They haven't had the wherewithal to, to bring it together. Like you said, it took you 20 years, and uh, because of your, your ability with computers and your research, you were able to pull it all together, and it's just a wonderful right. thing. Yeah.
3: And there's still a lot of information that I'm still looking for because I, first of all I've also been able to locate not only the people but I've been able to find out where they're buried. Um, you know, I was able to put together a lot of their dates of birth and dates of death. Um, you know, mm. found death certificates on people. I found Fanny's death certificate. So I know when she died. She died in uh on in, in eighteen in nineteen thirty
4: eight. Okay. Uh, I wasn't able to
3: find a death certificate on Charlotte. Because Virginia didn't start requiring death certificates to be issued until 1910,
4: so right, I think she right. died in
3: 1903. I found an old uh, cross in one of the cemeteries that was a potential place to where she was buried, with a name, partial of a name on it was C H A R, and a date of 03. Mm-hmm. And it was in one of the areas where Turner
2: families used to be buried. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what about um, Net's wife? Uh, what what happened to her? I know that you said that she was tortured, right? And the last so, I
3: found on the last I've been able to find on Sherry, and I'm still doing research on that. And Gilles Reese used her as a collateral for a loan that he took out in 1835, and she's listed as one of the as, as five slaves. Her name's Sherry. The name Sherry is on there, listed as um, you know, for him to to get that. Loan for his land. Now, in eight in the 19, in the 1840 census, Gills Reese has left the county, or well, he's not on the 1840 census, and I haven't mm-hmm. been able to find anything on him after 1835. So either he took her and left the county, or he sold her to someplace else. the The, the legend right. was is that the family says that she went lived with the Indians for a while, and then she ended up at John Clark. But John Clark's records does not have a cherry on her, but he does have Charlotte on his records. Okay. So that's how Charlotte was at John Clark Turner when Fanny was born.
1: Okay, but slavery ended in eighteen sixty-five, or was the Emancipation and Proclamation?
3: 18, right, it ended in eighteen sixty-five. Now the slaves, right. according to again, this is what one of the uh, my great-grand my great-aunt was one of the daughters of Fanny. Who knew uh, Fanny herself? She said that Fanny had told her she got her freedom in
4: 1865.
3: Mm. So, you know, like I say a lot of these places depend on where the slaves were living. Mm-hmm. The Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves, but if they weren't, if the Union Army wasn't in the area, that's right. It didn't mean anything.
2: That's
5: right. Right. You just, Officially, just word. slavery
3: ended with the Civil War and with the passing of the 13th Amendment that officially ended slavery. So the emancipation proclamation didn't end slavery.
4: Mhm.
3: It said that those slaves living in if what the what the, or the, the emancipation proclamation said, those slaves who were living in areas that were in rebellion at the time, their slaves would be free. If they didn't want to if they didn't if they stopped rebelling against the the south, the north, then there, they could keep their slaves. It was only with the passage of the Thirteenth Amendment that slavery became abolished.
1: Right, right.
3: So that's why most slaves didn't get their freedom until 1835.
1: I mean, right, right, right. Now let me let me say this too: that it made it uh, it possible for you to track this thing because Fanny spent her whole entire life in the Southampton. Uh, or uh is Jerusalem was Jerusalem the, the town or the
3: uh the, the Jerusalem is the name of the town then the town now the town the, excuse me the town name was changed it became Cortland in 1888
5: okay but the courthouse
3: okay. was, that was where the county courthouse was and the town mm-hmm. was named Jerusalem and okay the, so the, all the county records were kept all the county land records property records, wills, probates, anything that associated with the court, the records were kept there. And just so Mm -hmm. happened, by luck, during the Civil War, the Union Army used to burn the courthouses to eliminate records from slave owners so they couldn't come back and claim slaves later on or claim their property. Right, right. But just so happened, Southampton Courthouse was in an area where neither the Union Army nor the Confederate Army was operating and there were no battles fought near them. And so their courthouse records go all the way back to the 1640s and 1650s. Mhm. Okay. And that's
1: so how... what I what I'm thinking is Fanny lived her life in uh, in Jerusalem until it changed its name uh to Portland and then your grandfather Herbert uh senior um he lived uh, his first 10 years of his life in Jerusalem and to it changed his name and to quarter he lived all his so, life there,
3: all he lived everybody in the family we still own our land there in 1888 mm-hmm. in 1888 James Turner Drury who was Herbert Turner's father gave his white children that he had with Fanny parts of his land which my grandfather mm-hmm. Herbert Turner got a, a large part of got a farm we still own that farm today mm. okay as do the okay. children, as do the, the the children of those other four children.
1: Right, right. Now, did
5: you First, grow you up there expect- on
3: that farm? Yes, I was born there.
1: mm, Now, I think that we're going to shift there. Let us talk about your upbringing. Um. And when did you come into the real knowledge that you happened to be a a, a, a descendant of Nat Turner?
3: We were always was- told that. I mean. I mean, I was—I grew up with that knowledge all my life. Mhm. Um Like I say, both my mother and father are from that same area. My, my the, the town that we lived in is called Capron, Virginia, which was right near where the Benjamin friend, where the original Benjamin Turner plantation was. Okay. And right near where they—that's where the insurrection started. I grew up about eight miles from where the insurrection started. I was mm-hmm. born and raised there, and I lived there until I was a teenager. My father grew up, was born and raised there as well. He only left the area when he joined the war during World War II, and was in the Navy. He joined the Navy and was, you know, he and his brothers, all three of his brothers, were in the Navy and uh, fought in during World War II. And then he he and my mother got married in 1945. She was from the little town called Druryville, which is right beside the town of Capron. Druryville was named for the Drury family, which was also right. the, the family that's related to James Turner Drury. Right. And the Drurys was a, an old family that had lots of slaves, but they were not attacked during the uh, insurrection, even though mm. two of their family members just happened to have been at houses that were attacked, and they were killed. Mm. So I grew up all my life knowing that, we were descended of that Turner, but we basically kept it. The family didn't talk very much about it. It was just kind of like one of those things that says, "Okay, well, like my grandfather on my mother's side of the family was named Harry Powell. He was heavily involved in with the desegregation and with the with um with the Voting Rights Act. Um, he, along with a lot of other people, um, was also at the 1963 uh, March on Washington." David Martin Luther King, he was very heavily involved in the NAACP, so much so that the Nazi Party out of Washington came down and marched in front of our house, or his house, to try to him to to make him stop trying to go out and get people registered to vote.
4: Mm. Mm. So,
3: like I say, there's a lot of history there in the area. Uh, I attended the schools there, as well as attended schools with a lot of my cousins, because the turtles are all over the place the <laughs> been uh, attending or church if, service. So, if, if someone about Nets. okay, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, if someone came to you um, with the belief that they are descendants of Nat Turner, what kind of assistance could you or guidance you would give them to help them to do the the proper research, like you, to connect the dots.
3: Well, I would tell them first of all, start with their parents and then work backwards from your parents to your grandparents to the next level to your great grandparents and see can you document the names. There are many people like now on my mother's side of the family. She was a Powell. Her father's mother was a Turner, but she was from mm-hmm. Sussex County. But she was from Sussex County, which is the county right beside Southampton County, but is about 40 miles away from the area of. of of Capron in Druidville. So we're pretty sure that she was not related to the Turners on our side. Okay. But like I say, the name Turner is a common name in Virginia. Right. It was was a very common name among the white people, and they Mm -hmm. in turn who had slaves gave their slaves the last name Turner. Right. And so consequently people say that well I one of my great grandparents came from Southampton County and their last name was Turner. I say, yeah, it probably is because there's so many of them there. But it doesn't mean that they're in a direct line to Nett. And then right. to confuse matters a bit, some of the net was a common name. There were two other people that were hanged on the insurrection. One was named Nathan Turner. He mm-hmm. was hanged after a trial and then there was another one named Nathaniel, who was he was a, a slave to another person, he was sold out of the area rather than hanged. Mm-hmm. Some of the slaves, rather than hanged, they were sold to be taken right. south or Yeah, Na-
1: Na- Nathan and Nathaniel.
3: <laughs> right. So when people con- start throwing those names around, it's very easy to get confused, and they can they may be attached to a Nathaniel or a net, but it isn't necessarily that net. Right. And even if they can tie tie themselves back to Benjamin Turner or Samuel Turner, because all the slaves had the same last name, Turner, but they were not blood-related.
5: Right. Right. So that's why I tell
3: people. You know, I will help them with their research as best that I can, and I will readily share my information that I have on marriages, deaths, you know, that have the names on documentation they census reports. I went and dug through all those census reports that's just kept in the Library of Congress. Some of them are now online. You can find them now. they got them in Michael Fish online. But most of the time you just got to go through the documents and get the big books and just search through by the county, by the districts, and look for names and then hope you can get a hit. Mm. But a lot of those census reports had the names of the persons, their date of birth, their children, whether they were sons and daughters, if they were living and where they were living at, And then I can go back and use those coordinates to look on maps and find out where were they living. Say in 1880, on 1880, I found Fanny living in South Africa in the Boykins district with her children. At that time, that she had three children, of which one of them was Mm -hmm. her maternal, who was a baby because he was born in Mm -hmm. 1878. In the 1880 census, she's living there, and Charlotte is living with her, and she's identified as Fanny's mother.
4: Mm. Mm. Well,
2: um, Bruce, we're going to have to hold it there because um, certainly there's just not enough time in an hour and a half (laughs) to talk about the life of Nat Turner and your life as a a direct, direct descendant from the Turner clan. But mm-hmm. I know, I, I have a feeling that we're going to have to have you back on to continue this conversation because when you begin to talk about the research and how a person goes about uh, the diligence of research and that the facts that there is information available for you right there if you just look for it. And I'm, I am amazed at, at your research and your knowledge of your answer, C, and I champion you for even – digging deep and archiving it accurately because sometimes we look on the Internet today because that is how most of us learn. And sometimes the stuff we find is just just not true. Well, maybe not true, but maybe not accurate. (laughs)
3: It's not accurate. First of all, when the information that you pull off the Internet, there's no way that you can verify the accuracy or the veracity of the information. Mm Mm-hmm. And it may look good, but it may not. It's just you know, people a lot of times just put stuff out there. Um, they don't do any research. A person may not do any research. They just find a book and stick it out there. It's like if you pull up the confession of Nat Turner, you will get a book by the name of William, uh, written by a guy named William Styron. Mm. That is not a true. That is not Nat Turner's true confession. That book was written by William Styron in 1957 or 1967, rather. And he wrote it fictionally. He just used Nat as the character, and in that book, he has Nat as a twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old man who was obsessed with lusting after white girls. We know Nat mm. was thirty-one years old, and his confession was written by. It was published by Thomas Gray. was published in eighteen in November eighteen. It was actually published. I'm sorry, in 1832. And the original copy of that or the original manuscript is on record at the Virginia Archives in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And on in the trial of Matt Turner is in the court records in Cortland, Virginia, in the, the books that I indicated to you there that um you can look up in his trial and the trials of all the other slaves in those trial court records in the handwriting that was originally written out. Everything was written out by hand. They didn't have typewriters back then.
2: Mm, yes. And, you know, listening to you speak, and I know we have to wrap it up, so I'm going to have to call you during the week and continue my thoughts, but listening to you speak about Nat Turner, the father, the husband, this these are parts of his life that are not often discussed or I guess even thought about because of the picture that was painted of him through the annals of American history.
3: Mm-hmm. That's one of my reasons for why I give speeches and for you know, the information, because I want people to know that Nat was a person. He was not a myth. He was a real guy. He was a real. He was a father. He was a husband. He was a preacher. He was an astronomer. You know, he was a, a learned man, even though under his circumstances. And he also was a slave.
4: Mm. Can't get around and that He was, a, he was born a
3: slave.
2: Well, also, you know, just, just hearing you talk about him having visions that went beyond his age when he was a boy of yeah. things, you know, that that was astounding too. But, Bruce, we're going to have to hold it there. Otherwise, we're going to get cut off in such an, a bad way. <laughs> and okay, I certainly don't, I don't want that to happen um, to you, to our listeners. And we hope that all of you have gotten a wealth of information, I know I did, of uh, Nat Turner, the man, the visionary, the preacher, and the man who just said, listen, I'm not taking this no more. This is not the way... We are supposed to live. We are human beings. We are not cattle. We are not chattel. We are human beings, and and I'm going to do something about it. So we thank you for your time, and we have just a nice shout-out that I want to give to the MGT, Sister Mecca. Thank you for your support, and to all of the Facebook friends who have shared this promotion and this show. Here at the Keys One Oh Seven. And just to let you know that you can always listen to us via iTunes. All of our shows are archived on iTunes. You just have to type in the Keys One Oh Seven. You can listen to us via our website at www.thekeys107network.com. You can listen to us via Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash the Keys One Oh Seven. And you can take us anywhere and everywhere, and all of our shows are archived. Uh, Bruce, is there a way that people can get in touch with you if they wanted to follow up on anything you've said here today or book you to come speak at something they're giving?
3: Well, sometimes I do come speak, and I have I just recently, the last two weeks ago, I was up there in Brooklyn at Mount Pishka Church and also over at Long Island at the uh, Black Museum. That's where I gave speeches. And um, I may come up again. Henry Cagle has asked me to come up sometime in February if I have some time, and I haven't got a date on that yet. I'll let you know if I'll be in the New York area. But I have also spoken over at uh, Mecca Evers College. I was there last year to speak about Nat Turner. Hmm. So I do make some occasional trips up there to speak, and I, I will come to speak. I don't charge anything because I'm not a professional. So I just tell people my whole goal is as long as it's an educational-type form, I would definitely be willing to pass out information and to share my research with anyone who wants it.
1: Well, well, let me yeah. ask you, and I know that we're going offline, but this is something that was burning at me. Have you any connection with this new movie, or, or I know it, it was at the Sundance, Birth of a Nation? Uh, with I know this, of it,
3: but no, I do not. Okay. Well, I I, I know that it's
1: getting raised. It hasn't been released. Uh, The young man, Nate um, Park is his name, did a tremendous job of raising the money, um, directing and acting. I think he is Nat Turner in the film itself. And uh, it's getting a, a swelling, underground swelling. So when it does come out, I think it, it'd be very interesting to to see what they partic- uh, what how they showed Nat on screen and what you know what that storyline is all about. And I think you would probably be a great uh, have the, a great ability to be a critic in the sense of how close did they come to the Nat Turner that you have come to learn more about.
3: Yeah, and I and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I and I applaud anyone who do a book about or any type of work about Nat Turner even sometimes if it's not completely accurate. You know, right. As long as it's, it's done in a nice, tasteful way. the, only, the William Styron's book, The Confessions of Nat Turner, would have been a good book had he not put in so many inaccuracies. And right. so he, he showed Nat in a very, very negative way. And then a lot of people thought that that definite was not the way that Nat should have been presented. But if uh, a person is doing a project of their own, because art is art. And Ned is not a Net Turner is not a trademark name, he's a historical name. And so I have no qualms whatsoever. I don't know if anyone else in the family will have any hang ups about that to where if he's used in any way that they see fit but yet make it tasteful.
1: Well well brother, I wanna say this, brother Bruce, I I've read some of your work in terms of your research. You have the a uh, natural ability to um Convey the message in a way that is readable and I think enjoyable. Would you consider doing a book on Nat Turner?
3: I have written a book. I haven't finished I haven't finished it. It's not published yet. It's a huge book. It's a it's a um over two thousand page historical volume following the, the life of Cherry. Of um okay. of of Nancy and Cherry. The book is about the women who made Nat Turner. Okay. Well Well, I can't wait to to...
2: read that book Um, (laughs) Certainly I am more I'm very much interested in her Um, But Bruce we have to go Please 107 family Thank you so very much um, For your time Your time is valuable to us Um, My co-host brother James Thank you for holding it down in the beginning of the show And just know to be a little patient With technology Because sometimes it just acts the way it wants to act I am Rafika Thank you again
1: All right. Thank you so much, okay. uh, Bruce. Have a well um, um, you know, evening, and we look forward to talking to with you soon, sir.
3: Okay. I hope I was able to pass along information that was useful.
1: Thank you so much.
3: You too. Bye now.
0: You're listening to The Keys 107. Opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James.